Welcome to the Connected Insurance Podcast, presented by Agency Revolution. Listen to interviews with the most influential people in the insurance industry. Learn the most important strategies, tactics, trends, and challenges facing today's independent insurance agents and brokers. New episodes every Wednesday. Visit agencyrevolution.com and click media to explore the Connected Insurance family of resources for insurance agents and brokers. Subscribe today and get updates delivered right to your inbox. And now, without further delay, the Connected Insurance Podcast. Hello, it's Michael Jans, co-founder of Agency Revolution, and today, broadcasting from the casita, I'll welcome you to the Connected Insurance Podcast, presented by Agency Revolution creators of Attract, a powerful marketing suite that enables you to spend less time on the details and drudgery of marketing and more time growing your business. Attract gives you the technology and the content you need to find your ideal prospect and turn them into your best customer. If you haven't done it lately, you owe it to yourself. Visit agencyrevolution.com and request a demo of this award-winning software today. Um, So, you know, recently I interviewed one of the, uh, uh, well, one of the planet's leading thought leaders on artificial intelligence, Dan Fagella, who's spoken to Interpol, the United Nations, the World Bank, Uh, and does a lot of work in the insurance industry. Today, I'm inviting you to participate in a conversation about artificial intelligence and its very, very practical application in agencies, carriers as well. I'm thrilled to be able to um, introduce to you Ron Glosman, founder and CEO of Chisel.ai. Um, and in this conversation, he really shares the story of um, how this, uh, what is now a hot tech, how he went from starting in his university dorm room. That sounds like a lot of, um, a, a lot of big tech firms started there, um, to becoming now uh, definitely um, an InsureTech to keep your eye on and a guy to keep your eye on. Um, Chisel won the gold award for uh, in the insurance, uh, the Zurich uh, Innovation World Championships. Um, it was crowned the 2018 Accord InsureTech uh, Innovation Challenge Award. Ron was named the Insurance Innovator to Watch. <laughs> and now uh, now that he's sitting on a large and growing um, uh, source of, uh, or multiple sources of venture funding, you can anticipate a lot of activity coming out of this InsureTech. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go uh, zip right into this conversation. I think you're going to find it to be um, intelligent, fun, exciting, uh, as I did. And uh, so before I do that, boom, a couple of real quick announcements. Uh, of course, um, I'll, I really want to encourage you to, if you haven't listened to the conversation I had with Dan Fagella, do that. Um, uh, I think that it's important that we all have some understanding of AI, uh, where it's going. And Ron, of course, gives us one opportunity for that. Um, And what its potential is in the insurance industry. Uh, Also, uh, thank you for the numerous comments about my recent conversation with the CEO of Vertifor, Amy Zupan. And of course, um, the... the, uh, the, the numerous positive comments that I got um, about my recent podcast where Michael interviewed Michael, um, <laughs> where I, I, I took a solo 
and talked about the three ultimate secrets of organic growth in the modern insurance agency. One, uh, understanding the psychology and behavior of the modern consumer, uh, knowing what they want. Two, having a clear strategy to not just to reach them, but to uh, w once we reach them, uh, to create deep relationships and generate maximum customer lifetime value for your agency. And then three, having a clear path and plan for your agency to move forward. So thanks for the comments. If you've missed them, go back and check those out. And I'll also say that my, uh, my pipeline is full. I, got, I have a lot of uh, terrific guests coming up in the very near future. So I'm super excited about this. If you have any uh, comments for me, any suggestions for me, anybody that you would like me to interview, or if you think you'd be a great interview, reach out to me. Um, you can email me, michael at michaeljans.com. And of course, I do want to encourage everybody who's listening, please uh, connect with me on LinkedIn and let's follow each other on Twitter. Easy to find on LinkedIn. I'm Michael Jans. <laughs> so now, without further ado, uh, it is my pleasure to introduce you to this conversation with the founder and CEO of Chisel.ai, uh, Chisel Ron Glasman. Ron Glasman, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Well, uh, <laughs> I'm doing great. <laughs> it's taken us a while to schedule this, so I'm, I'm thrilled about this conversation. Actually, I am super excited about this conversation. Um, and, um, you know, as I mentioned to you uh, previously, it's not often that uh, my uh, former uh, chief product engineer um, gives uh, praise to InsureTechs. And in this case, I said, hey, Luke, I'm, I've got a conversation coming up with Ron. And he said, oh, um, that, uh, they're doing, it seems like they're doing some really cool stuff. And like, you know, that doesn't happen often coming out of his Appreciate mouth. So, it. Yeah, excited about this conversation and excited about um, the um, efforts you're making in the insurance industry. So let's kind of start at the beginning. My, uh, my best guess is that perhaps a lot of our listeners don't know you, don't know who you are. You got a terrific story. So tell us how you got to be in the seat you're in right now. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. And uh, so my name is Ron Glosman and I'm the CEO and founder of Chisel AI. And uh, as sort of alluded to, um, it's been quite a long journey to get here and I'll, I'll skip over some of the details, but essentially um, I emigrated our cameras based, our company's based in Canada. And so I came to Canada with <laughs> and really to, to have a better life, I think was the goal. And so um, I was a student in university about six and a half years ago, studying computer science and business. And um, as a student, as you, as you may remember, some of you probably have kids who might be students. You know, students don't love studying. It's not by any means the most uh, appealing thing to do on a Saturday night or on a Friday night. And so I said to myself, there has to be a better way. It just doesn't make sense that I have to read a thousand page textbook for weeks and weeks at a time just to take a two hour exam, which is like 20 pages. Like you do the math, it's 1% of the content. There has to be a way that I can identify the most important things to study and study them. And so being a computer science student, I said, boy, I think I can teach a computer how to read. It seems super trivial. Like, you know, why hasn't anybody else 
thought of this. And, uh, and at the time, I didn't realize how complex it really was, but that's part <laughs> of it. And so uh, I spent about a semester working on an app. At the time, it was called Note because it's supposed to help you with your notes. And so um, it got to the point where I could take a textbook, upload it through the application, study for about four hours and get an A which is the dream and never go to class, never open the textbook. And of course, <laughs> the opposite of a dream for a professor. But uh, as a student, it's something that I think a lot of people aspire to or would like to, to have at least as an option. And so my friends heard about it. They said, hey, can you put it out on the App Store? You know, I want to use it. And so I put it out on the App Store. And in the first two weeks, you know, I got 187 downloads. Some of my friends got it. And, and it, I thought that was it. And then I wake up and it got hosted on something called Product Hunt. And Product yeah, yeah. Hunt is, is, yeah, for the listeners who don't know, one of the premier um, websites for identifying new cool things. It doesn't necessarily have to be a startup, but it's new things that are happening. And so we got posted there. And uh, basically in 24 hours, 10,000 plus new people signed up from 33 countries. 44 of the top Ivy League school in the world were talking Princeton, Stanford, Harvard, Yale. It was in Russia, China, India, Brazil, Portugal, Switzerland, Netherlands. Yeah, you're All right, over- right. And, and, and you're thinking this is the next, got to be the next Facebook here, right? Well, uh, something of that sort <laughs> until I thought about, you know, monetization. Because the goal was never to monetize. It really was just to help me study and be more efficient. Yeah. So, so uh, when it was on the App Store, was it free download or what was the business model? Correct. It was a free download. And my goal was I would eventually integrate adverts or advertisements into it, just like most companies do and try to generate revenue through page views. The problem is even, you know, with a million users, it's really hard to generate any type of decent income. Um, And so I worked on it as a hobby. We actually never went through with monetizing it. And I worked on it as a hobby for two and a half years. Um, and I was invited to speak at a machine learning conference by RBC, which is uh, one of the big six banks here in Canada, big five banks here in Canada. And uh, they were having their first ever machine learning conference. And they said, Ron, we really, you have a very successful app. By that point in time, it was uh, named by Google one of the best 50 apps for students of all time. So clearly we found some success. But as I mentioned, no discretionary income for students makes it very hard to monetize and advertising is a really relatively difficult monetization strategy. And so um, RBC says, just come and talk about your app. Tell people about the power of natural language processing. Again, teaching computers how to read. And so I come and I present on the topic. And about five minutes after I get off stage, an email comes in through the contact form of the website. And it reads something along the lines of, hey, just saw you present. I know this is an app for students, but I think insurance can really benefit. So this is the the email that changed your life. Okay. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And it's interesting. Uh, One of my favorite sayings is, you know, and and maybe I'll flip it into a question, which is, if I told you I have a formula for luck, what would you say? For how to create your own luck? How do you, how do you, okay. I'd say, yeah, what's the formula for luck? (laughs) Okay. Well, it's interesting, at least from a statistical perspective, Uh, the expected value is the number of attempts multiplied by how likely it is to happen. It's just a gamble. If something is likely to happen one in a million times and you go for it a million times, statistically, you're 50% likely to get it. And then every time past a million, you get more and more likely. And it's just a statistics game. So all of that to say, every opportunity that you have 
to go out there and to help people, even if you don't see a direct return, I urge you mm. to do it because it's an at-bat. And as you take more at-bats and you go and speak at more conferences and you go and just share your knowledge without ever looking to get anything in return, one day you will, just by luck, strike gold, sort of, right? right? And you're not going to be looking for it. And so, you know, I'd share that piece of wisdom, which is everybody has the ability to create their own luck. Just go and do it more times. You, you are guaranteed statistically to get more and more lucky the more and more you do it. Got it. All right. Um... <laughs> so this email comes in and, and it reads, you know, insurance can really benefit. Yeah. So you got and this from somebody in the industry. That's right. And uh, I didn't know much about insurance at the time. I took a look at the sender. It said at Aon.com. And you probably recognize that name. And most yeah, yeah, you were probably wondering that name. Who, who, are, who are these guys, right? You didn't know who Aon was. Not, not much beyond the fact that they sponsored my favorite soccer team. And I see them on the jersey all the time. Oh, okay. So <laughs> <laughs> and I, I needed to do more research. So I quickly you're, did you're, some research. Maybe, maybe, yeah, you're thinking maybe I can get tickets to a game. All right. Yeah. <laughs> And so, um, you know, I followed up quickly after I, I took maybe no longer than 30 minutes, did some cursory Google searches, identified it and said, yes, we'd love to meet and chat. And I met with the senior executive roughly six times over the next eight weeks where she educated me um, on the industry and more specifically on their pain point, which had to do with policy checking and errors and omissions, which, as you know, is something that agencies and brokers care a lot about, especially reducing them as much as possible. And so um, she educated me on the process and she said, do you think you can teach computers how to read binders and policies? Because that's really what we're interested in. And we're not interested in textbooks, but can you take the ability to read a textbook and teach it to read binders and policies and extract names, limits, deductibles, premiums, uh -huh. yeah. all of the important things. And we'll tell you what's important. And I said, no problem. Um, and I spent about six months working on that solution for them. I uh, got it to the point where it was more accurate than a human, faster than a human. And uh, since then, we've been in the insurance industry ever since. We've gone on to win the Zurich Innovation World Championship most recently last year, um, where you know, we expanded from just broker-facing solutions. We, we now work with uh, parties across the underwriting value chain. And uh, we won the Zurich Innovation World Championship, taking home the gold medal, beating out 459 startups from 49 countries. Way to go. Congratulations. Yeah, that's huge. Thank you. Big. Uh-huh. And, and, and to win it, you, you obviously, you, at that point, you needed an uh, operational Yes. application okay for sure it. there's uh roughly two to three years in between that that first meeting and getting educated on the market to winning the zerk world championship two products got developed so policy check which is uh as i mentioned the one that aon educated us on initially and it's really about how do we help reduce the errors and emissions exposure that brokers and agents take on themselves mm -hmm. um Flip side, about a year and a half later, we were approached by one of the big carriers that said, hey, love what you're doing with brokers. Can you do the inverse? We want you to extract 10 to 15 data points from applications or submissions so that we can put them into our CNR system and basically kick off the underwriting process. Today, you know, there's somebody manually reading applications for insurance oftentimes. And so they're, they're looking just to help kick off the ingestion and that's uh, what we won the award for, is what we call intake and uh, triage, submission, intake, and triage. Terrific. Okay, so 
and then at some point you launched an actual company. Yeah, so you, I mean, so you went you went from having an application that you offered here, or offered over there, Aon or a carrier. So, but how 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 long has your company been? Yeah, so I started working on the core technology in two thousand and fourteen. Uh, the company officially incorporated in 2017. Uh, and we also, that was when we raised our initial seed funding. Um, and since then, we've gone on to do two additional uh, funding rounds. We are one of them sort of historically raised the second largest seed round in Canadian history. So very well funded. A lot of big players believe in us, such as Venrock and uh, M-Tech Capital and a couple yeah. other names I cannot disclose. Yeah, okay, very good. Well, congratulations to you on that. So. Um, boom. Uh, now, so, so you've been kind of swimming in this space, the uh, insurance uh, universe for, for a few years now. You're, so in some ways, uh, you definitely you've got, you're, you're deep in the weeds on, you know, some perspective, uh, but also have per probably some uh, fresh perspective on uh, what's working, what's not, what the trends are, uh, you know, and I know you've, you've got some observations about how uh, technologies are transforming this industry. So, um, so, so I, I'd like to ask you what, how, to share your perspective, okay, um, as, you know, as, 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 well, from that point of view, having some knowledge, having a fresh perspective, clearly understanding the impact of technologies, what do you see when you look at this industry now? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. And I'll start by saying that um, the more you know, the more you realize how little you know, because it's so complex and there's so many types of product offerings and so many players in the, in the value chain that uh -huh. I don't think I have the answer. For, I know I don't have the answer for everything. And to your point, uh, my expertise is primarily in artificial intelligence and machine learning and technology and less so in insurance. Sure. So I'll speak primarily on the tech piece. So I think it's a great question. Um, I mean, it's interesting. I'll start off by saying this. A lot of people are getting caught up with buzzwords or, or marketing terms, right? A lot of people hear artificial intelligence and I want it without really knowing what it is. And I'll start off by saying that artificial intelligence is a very, very, specialized technology. I would liken it sort of to, to surgery, which is, for example, if you can go on a diet to lower your, your blood pressure or cholesterol, you know, that's a better approach than to do surgery. Surgery is always the last result, but it's, all, it's also sometimes life-saving results. It can right. be transformational. And so that's how I view AI is it only needs to be used in specific use cases because AI has a lot of downsides. It requires a lot of training data up front. It's a large, a large investment in terms of uh, resources, at least as a company, maybe not as, as a, as a, an insurance carrier or broker, but as the actual vendor, mm -hmm. it's a large investment in terms of money and time. And so artificial intelligence is a very cool technology, but don't just use it because you hear other people talking about it. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you what use cases artificial intelligence is good for, and I'll, I'll lay out some of the things I'm excited for because it's more than just AI. Um, I mean, this, this industry, as, as you know very well, and the listeners know better than I do, 
has been around for a hundred plus years and has many legacy systems and legacy processes. And let's start by recognizing that we can't come in and say, throw out what you have and just, just take what I have. We have to start by integrating with existing systems, understanding sometimes there can be, you know, treaties like reinsurance treaties that are 50 years old and have been scanned over 20 times and skewed and there's handwriting on them. I've seen it all. And I recognize that we can't just say, you know what, throw it out and give me a PDF. That's not acceptable. And so um, you got to come in and you got to work with these companies. At the same time, one thing that I, I would urge the companies to do is to not do innovation for the sake of innovation. Many times I've seen projects fail where there is no direct business unit involved and there's no business case. So it's great to come in and say, hey, I'd love to be able to extract these 20, let's say, data points from a document. But unless you're very skillful and choose the right ones, it might not be the right data set to do claims and not the right data set to do intake. But if you chose wisely, you could have done either or or both, right? Yeah. And so um, don't just do innovation for the sake of innovation. Don't just choose a technology because it's a buzzword. Like RPA is great technology. There's the right use case for RPA, which is robotic process automation. Um, and, and so, you know, I can speak to some cool examples I've seen. Um, for example, one thing that I really like is drones. It's interesting. Uh, one of the biggest use cases, as you know, or, or losses in the last five years, especially in California, have been two cat catastroph uh, catastrophic losses due to wildfires. Yeah. Okay. Uh -huh. Losses ever. Um, and there's companies out there that can fly a drone or it can be an airplane. Like there's a couple of ways they can get the data, satellite imagery, specifics don't matter. They can take an image and they can assess the fire risk, for example, how close is the foliage? And let's say, for example, if you were to cut back trees 10 feet from your property line, you reduce your fire risk 50%. And so those types of things are relatively cost effective to do, like to buy a drone's a couple hundred bucks to fly it and have an operator's a couple hundred dollars for a day. But the fire damage that you can prevent is millions, billions, trillions of dollars. And so that's a great use. Just one example of artificial intelligence um, and what it can do. Okay, so <clears throat> when you think about AI in the insurance industry, um, let's say setting your product aside, because we'll dig into that in a moment, uh, where do you see the most uh, exciting opportunities for innovation or transformation? Yeah, today I would say we're in the uh, beginning stages, and that's fine. It's a new technology in the sense that at least where we see a lot of the focus today is purely in taking unstructured data and making it structured. And that's, that's the, the crux of anything. To be able to do more intelligent pricing, to be able to do better risk selection, to be able to reduce your loss ratio, you first need to have data, a lot of data and have clean data. And today in our experience, 80% of all data that insurance companies have is trapped in data lakes or data silos. And it's unstructured, meaning unless somebody goes in and manually reads it and, and extracts the data, they're ah. never going to get it out. Okay. And so that's unfortunate. Imagine operating with 20% like of your vision 
or 20% of anything. Yeah, it, okay. It uh -huh. doesn't make sense. And so the initial work today is on technology similar to what we do and other companies do that can take unstructured data and make it structured. Once you have that clean structured data, there's a million things that I'm very excited for prioritization of risk, as, as we talked about, better risk selection, reducing loss ratios, um, identifying better customer segments, um, many of the things that banks can do when they think mm -hmm. about like credit cards. We uh, can yeah. do the same thing, but it's just not available today because there's not enough data. And so I would say today we're in the age of unstructured data to structured data. The next phase of AI will be value add. So taking data and, and actually making predictions on you know, how to better use that data. Okay, got it. All right, so, um, so, so again, um, uh, recognizing, you know, your, your relative youth, okay? But, that, but, uh, but that's okay. So, um, you know, coming, coming into this industry, right? You've got, you know, you have your lifetime of experiences and, and your interaction with contemporary technologies, right? I mean, you know, the apps and, and the applications. Um, and so as you've gotten to know the, the industry, from your perspective, okay, um, what, what, what's, what's your sense of, what, what's your sense of it, right? What, uh, you know, what, what do you think is, what do you think is working? What do you think is not working? Where, where do you think the industry is going to get, uh, you know, kind of uh, where it's going to get, um, you know, the occasional kick in the pants? Yeah, I mean, as I said earlier, I think I didn't even realize how complex that was. And I think it's interesting. One, one data point that we have is, um, what is, it? I believe it's like 55% of people in the insurance industry today are going to retire in the next 10 to 15 years, which is a very, very heavy top, like pyramid heavy skew. And the unfortunate thing is only 4% of new college grads are entering the insurance industry. And when you look at the math, there's going to be a crunch where about 50% of all available bodies are going to go away. And the interesting thing is they have a lot of knowledge over the 30 plus years they've spent in the industry. And that's the thing that I lack. But the beautiful thing is that's where AI come in is if we can get these people in the next 10 to 15 years to train these systems with all of that valuable information, it's one of the greatest opportunities for knowledge transfer. Because otherwise, there's no way that the industry will continue to grow. There's going to be such a crunch of, of talent available and also the lack of knowledge transfer will mean that companies are going to be forced to pay higher salaries because there's more demand for the same talent yeah. mm -hmm. at the same time not able to write as much business it's it's a, it's a slightly skewed and so that's why i'm very excited about you know artificial intelligence and some of what we do is um the ability to capture a lot of that knowledge and to help focus the people on the value added work, which is underwriting rather than just data entry. So if we can take away the 50%, the other statistic that I'll add is the average underwriter spends 40 to 50% of their time on data entry. So from 9 a.m. to 12.20 roughly. And so imagine that, right? Like if you only had half the people, but you also didn't spend half your day doing data entry, you're almost made whole. Right. Okay. Problem solved. <clears throat> All right. So in your dream world, um, you don't even have to put a calendar date on this. Okay. Don't worry about the year, but in your dream world, what does insurance become? What does it look like uh, after some transformation has taken place? And how is that different than today? 
Yeah. So, I mean, one thing that I'll say is I don't think that we'll ever get away from humans in the loop. I, I personally am not interested in buying something from a robot. And, I, okay. and I, I'm right. pretty young okay. to your point. So I, I want to be very clear. I don't want to say like, I, I strongly believe that brokers and agents will forever play a role because they have the experience. They have the value added judgment. So just so we're clear, what machine learning and computers are really good at is routine rules-based work. They cannot have judgment, right? Like that's the one thing that until we have true quote unquote artificial intelligence, it doesn't have judgment. It can follow a set of well-defined rules and do the same thing, but it can't tell you if it's a good deal or a bad deal for you for example. And I can't tell you whether the 20 other clients that it's seen have as good a deal as you have. And how, for example, the risk can differ across one policy wording to another. And so I think the, the most important thing is to empower the people to have that information at their fingertips. So instead of a broker, like today, for example, when we talk about comparing quotes, or, and again, agents, you know, you'll receive back three to five or a handful of quotes when you've gone to market. <laughs> In our experience, it takes four hours to read each quote. So you're reading the quote, you're seeing what limits they're willing to offer. Was it the limit that I requested? Is it a higher limit? Is it a lower limit? Maybe they're not willing to offer it at all. Then you got to compare the premiums. If it's a package policy, there's a premium for this line, a premium for that line. And it takes four hours times like, you know, three or five docs. Imagine if you could just get an Excel spreadsheet that tells you here's what they're willing to offer and color coded red, green, yellow saying green means, you know, it's at least what you uh -huh. Yeah, right. That, that's, even better. that's even better than your version of a 400 page textbook <laughs> that exactly. you've got color coding. All right. Yes. Okay. And then, and then you as the human say, I think you should go with State Farm or Allstate or XYZ because of this. Instead of having to manually do the data entry to figure out what they're even offering to make that judgment. Right. And yeah. so that's where I think the human's going to go. And the beautiful thing is I would love for insurance in some ways to be <clears throat> more widely distributed and, and also cheaper. The, the unfortunate thing is insurance is primarily sold in first world countries. Two thirds of people in the world are not insured primarily in third world and developing countries. Because mm -hmm. think about a cattle <clears throat> farmer in sub-Saharan Africa, you know, they can't afford to pay a premium of like, even like, a couple hundred bucks like it just it doesn't make sense for them and that's where micro insurance and a lot of these cool things are i'm excited about and i think ai and technology can help us get to a place where we offer insurance to a lot more people at more affordable rates and it's still profitable for everybody all right so getting back to uh, your premise that there'll always be people and there'll always be a role for agents and brokers right in the delivery system uh, um, how do you see the um, various applications of artificial intelligence affecting the uh, life of an agent or a broker in the near to midterm future? I mean, so, 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 and, and, and let me, let me, um, let me throw out a premise that I, I think we're in agreement on. So <clears throat> in, um, in uh, the effective use of artificial intelligence requires uh, a volume of data which is generally um, beyond uh, the amount of data that's available to an agency, right? So, so when we talk about the application of AI in agencies, it's not, and I think we should be clear on that, you know, that they don't need to be thinking, oh my goodness, I've got to go find somebody who can handle our AI needs. So typically, no. Now a carrier, 
will have a volume of data that's substantial and you know there are various uses for artificial intelligence to do analysis and pattern matching and so on and so forth. Uh, so typically, uh, see if I'm, you know, tell me if I'm, I'm on the right track. AI will affect agencies and brokerages, as I see it, two different ways. One, when the industry changes and carriers uh, use it to, uh, for various reasons, underwriting and pricing and um, uh, and, and so, the, you know, there, so there'll be perhaps uh, whatever, more efficiencies, um, maybe, maybe, you know, it'll affect premiums, um, may, even, may even help in the development of um, niches, products, programs, okay, that kind of stuff. So, so one, uh, our life as agents will be changed when their life as uh, carriers changes, but two, uh, there will be um, applications that are, um, for want of a better word, they're, they're, not, they're not custom built for agency X, but they are uh, built for agencies and agency X can kind of buy it off the shelf. All right, so long question, but is that a decent summary of how AI will probably affect the agency universe? Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, to, to your point, the, the data and it's always a little bit sort of contentious. So I, I even hesitate to talk about it. So I might take five minutes and, and, and really elaborate on this point. But the data that, that you submit, and it depends on the company and on the organization, but especially for brokerages, gets de-anonymized and de-identified. So let me start with that. There's no PII left in it. There's no names, no, like nothing that could be used to identify anyone. And then it's co-mingled and used to train as a whole. And so the benefit of that is, to your point, no one agency or brokerage has enough data to build a well-functioning system. But in unison, they do. And that's, that's the beauty of it is they get to amortize and spread out the costs across hundreds because they don't need to provide enough data. Everybody's contributing a little bit of data. And at the same time, it's more cost effective than having it custom built, right? So the vision here is that um, you contribute your data in some ways and it benefits everybody, but you also get the benefit because other people are contributing data too. And so... Um, that's that's sort of one way to look at it. now as i said it gets de-identified de and it's a very rigorous process so your data never gets sold and never gets shared with anybody else you don't need to worry about that but the benefit is like if we go to the top uh, just to illustrate a point if we go to the top of the food chain marsh mclennan number one biggest brokerage okay. in the world right yeah right correct even they don't have enough data oh, in house okay. <laughs> to build it oh all right. right, and and I and I I don't I think that's just statistics. Like if you look at it, Marsh has seventeen percent market share, which is good. It's substantial. It's bigger than anyone else. But even that's not going to be enough to build good data or a good enough model. And so, um, yeah, I don't think it's something to be afraid of. It's by no means like a, an uptake. Like you just contribute whatever you have. It makes the, the product better for everybody. And it's already available off the shelf. To your point, you don't have to come in and expect a million dollar cost. It's not like a Deloitte or like a big systems integrator deployment. You can just sign up with your credit card. It's typically a little bit yeah. more than a credit card. If you have a big limit on your credit card, it could be a credit card. <laughs> but okay. it's quite simple. It's not months long. You can typically kick it off in like a matter of weeks. Okay, uh, so in a moment, I'm going to ask you, like, you know, tell, talk about the problem you solve. But before we do that, 
Uh, do you see other areas in a, an agency's life where artificial intelligence eventually could uh, be a, um, an effective application? I mean, I mean, our focus, and I think this is the right focus. I've seen other companies focus is primarily on the back end back office. As I said, I don't believe like, and I know, and I, I, I personally am not bought in. I know there's actually like chat bots. And I think chatbots are great, for example, for claims, but I don't think a chatbot is great as a sales tactic. Like I personally, as I said, would not want to buy insurance or anything for that matter from a chatbot. So mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't worry there. It's all on the back office. We want to help you reduce the stuff you hate doing, filling in paperwork, making sure the, that the, the binders and the policies match, comparing quotes, like all of the minutia that is sort of the prerequisite to doing your real job, which is providing valuable information to the customer. Well, we, yeah, okay. So we want to get A's and still be able to party on Friday and Saturday night. So <laughs> and, and right. one thing that I've actually seen, and, and you tell me in, in your experience, like, you know, one of our customers I can think of when we came in and I, I was there for the kickoff and I spoke with a couple of the agents there and I said, you know, John or whatever, tell me, tell me about your typical day. And he goes, I usually start around 7 a.m. and I finish at 7 p.m. And I look at him and I go, whoa, you work 12 hours? And he goes, yeah, because I have to check, for example, four policies a day. And on average, it takes me two to four hours per policy. And so you do the math, three times four is roughly 12. Some days, yeah, I get to finish by, by 5 p.m., but some days I'm there until 9 p.m. And so when he, when, when he sort of saw our technology and he said, wow, you're telling me it's now going to take half as long and I get to go home every day and have dinner, that to me is exciting because it's giving time back to their life. And it doesn't have to be parting. But yes, it's just something as, as minute as just going back home at five o'clock rather than yeah, seven. Yeah, okay. Seven. I got it. Got it. That's huge. So, so what, what's going on now? Like where, where's, where is your company now in, in marketplace engagement? Yeah, I mean, we, we like to think ourselves as the market leaders when it comes to the two products we're focused on, policy check and submission triage. So policy check is the one a lot of agents and brokers use, um, and it allows you to basically upload a variety of what we call reference documents. You can upload an expiring policy, so last year's policy, and compare it to this year's policy. If, let's say, you don't have an expiring policy, you can just compare the quotes to the policy, you can compare the binder to the policy. And the whole intent there is um, to make sure that all of the coverages are attached as expected, that all of the limits are the correct amount. And oftentimes we'll see almost 80% of policies on the first go around have something missing. It's either the wrong name, the wrong address, and that's time spent and it's just frustration sending it back to Zurich or you know travelers being like, hey, you got my client's name wrong. Uh, uh, and that's okay. eighty percent of the time. Well, yeah, that 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 was the stunning statistic. Okay, so, um, it, it, so do you think uh, this may be anecdotal um, uh, from from your customer base? But do you think like uh, a lot of those eighty percent got missed uh, or would have been missed without artificial intelligence doing the examination? 
No, statistically, no. The only difference there is what would have happened was a human would have spent two to four hours reading it. Got they it. would have okay. created a list of things to correct, send it to the carrier, and then what comes back, they have to check it again, right? Because then they got to make sure that the corrections were applied. And so um, statistically speaking, um, you know, only 7% of policies end up having a claim and only a subset of that ever has ENO in it. But if we look at it, let's again go to the super macro level. If we look at Marsh and Aon, two public companies, they both lose 100 million British pounds a year. That's on top of all the money they spend in labor preventing those mistakes, right? And so if I can come into a company like that and say, I'm 10% more accurate than a human, that's yeah, already okay, $10 million. Right. Dollars in yeah, okay, well done, right. Now, and uh, not, not even considering, yeah, the amount of time that uh, And that's not saying. considering okay. the time, exactly. The time, it. okay, very good. So, Ron, uh, I'm going to give you the opportunity, if you were going to hop on my soapbox uh, for, you know, let's say less than a minute, deliver a message, a non-commercial message to, to, to the industry, like, you know, like this is, like, pay attention to this, right? Uh, yep. What would you want to say? I would first say, Identify the core business use cases. I said, don't do innovation for the sake of innovation. Identify a core business use case. The next thing to do is to ideally reduce your procurement process. Oftentimes, as, as far as we've seen and other companies have spoken to, deals die on the grapevine. When you have a nine to 18 month procurement process and a company typically only fundraises money for 18 months, they're gonna be dead by the time they get to procurement. So some of the best companies we work with have what we call a procurement light. Um, it's something that's just for a POC. It's much simpler. You can get, get it done and get it going much faster. And then, and then finally, um, I would say, don't be afraid of learning lessons. Um, there will always be lessons to be learned. There will be successes and failures. Even in the most successful project, you will have a lesson to learn somewhere about what you can do better. And so just because it fails the first time doesn't mean you should throw your hands in the air and walk away. Um, keep innovating keep trying um and at the same time there is sometimes vaporware out there and so um do some due diligence and research and i'm happy oh. to help if All anybody right. wants so, to reach out you know they can get <clears throat> that that was that gets to my very last question other than my very last question my yeah. penultimate question uh so um no well you're you're in the business now of obviously not just creating great software, but selling it, okay? <laughs> uh, now, um, I've told this story more than once, but when I ran Agency Revolution, one of the challenges we had was we, we had to create a great sales process. And trust me, we tried lots of different iterations uh, of, of the relationship between marketing and sales and all, all the acronyms that you can think of. You know, what are we gonna call a salesperson, right? And and. And you know what's what's a marketing qualified lead? What's a sales qualified lead? Right? We you know so we we did went through all of this and probably after iteration number six or seven, boom, we hit something that really made sense. And we also discovered that no matter how good our system was, our sales system was, that the average agency did not have a buying system or a buying process for technology. Right. Uh, you know, now keep in mind, yes, we did launch 10 years ago, but, you know, in many cases, the last piece of technology, serious technology that they purchased was 10 years earlier. Right. So, you know, it, it, it's not as if they had a technology procurement department that handled this. Okay. So uh, now 
fast forward now, we're in a world where uh, I think that the, uh, the average agency principal recognizes that he's got to show up at the job with power tools, okay? Um, and uh, the emergence of these power tools is daily. They're probably getting a half a dozen inbound calls a day. Maybe they get screened, maybe they don't, from vendors who say, who say I've got the coolest software in the world, buy it. And, and so it's, uh, it's, it's still a little bit new. Um, I don't think that most agencies have that buying process. So what would you, uh, what would you recommend to agencies who, you know, about purchasing technology and bringing it into their agency? Yes, and it's interesting. I was going to say the only acronym you need to know is ABC, you know, always be closing. <laughs> that's the only acronym. <laughs> that's from Glenn Berry, Glenn, Glenn Ross. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. Co coffees, but, coffees for closers. <laughs> there you go. Okay, um, but now, now how do you buy it? On a serious it, right? note. How do you yes. buy it? So, I mean, it, it's interesting. Today, a lot of software is SaaS, which stands for software as a service. And so you can typically just sign up for one month at a time, right? Like, as I said, depending on what you need, and it's not necessarily true for our technology, but there are technologies out there that you can just sign up with a credit card, try it and, and pay as you go one month, two months, three months. The other thing I would say is, is but, always- but, So let, let, me, let me jump in on that one, okay? Be, because, well, for, for, from a success point of view, it, it's always, unless you think otherwise, but you know, we can have a conversation about this. It's more than the credit card. It's, I need somebody on my team who, uh, you know, who understands it, they're gonna touch it, they're gonna master it, they're, they're gonna make that technology work. Otherwise, the failure ratio tends to be extremely high. Love it. So I think the question there is, how is the software delivered? And, and even within how software is delivered, I think the, the question is on execution. So one question would be, for example, like if the software is purely a backend system that is API to API or machine to machine, you need to have an engineer. Like there is no negotiations. You got to have a very technical person full time or you got to have a software integrator that you're working with on this because you're right. That's, a, that's just a recipe for failure. On the flip side, you know, I like to think our apps are very intuitive. What we offer is literally a system you can learn in 30 minutes or less. It should be as simple as like Google Sheets or Google Drive or Google Docs. Like that's our vision when we build our software is the average user can go in and it looks just like every other app they've ever used. And in 30 minutes or less, they're good to go. And then it doesn't actually require an engineer or anything. We host the servers. We, that's the beautiful thing. You require no IT. And again, it depends on the implementation. But for a solution like ours, we need no IT person on your side. It's no touch. So an agency organic. should, um, should they, uh, they should pay attention to the, the user interface and the customer experience. Boom. Love it. Yes. It's a huge piece. Like we, okay. we've heard you know, like that our app is just my, like I've heard people say, wow, this, like it's, it, it looks so good. And so my favorite, here's my favorite story. Um, going into a customer, they'd, they'd bought it and we were doing, I'd come in personally to do the, the demo to the team. And there was a lady there and I don't want to, she was in her upper sixties. Let's put a very, very, she was like, I'm never going to use this. I, I hate this thing. Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep checking it by hand. I don't understand it. 
two weeks later, she was the biggest bug reporter she had. She said, can you fix this? I can't work without this. She li- she's, like, she's like, I need this in my life. Literally two weeks later, <laughs> she, she's like, this doesn't work. How am I going to do my job now? When like two weeks earlier, she was like, I'm never going to use this. This is so hard. And she switched like a, like, literally like a light bulb <laughs> and she reported more bugs than anybody. And we love users like right that. On. Yeah. Okay. Got it. So Ron, if uh, a listener wants to learn more uh, or about Chisel, or perhaps they've got a question about this conversation, how do you want them to reach out to yes. you or to the company? Yeah. So obviously you can check out our website, www.chisel.ai, Chisel, just like the hammer and chisel. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find us on LinkedIn. We publish weekly blog posts on a lot of this stuff. Like what are the different types of artificial intelligence? What is the right technology for a brokerage? What is the right technology for a carrier? So every week we put out really good thought leadership. And then if you want to reach out to me personally, you can hit me up at Twitter, like Ron Glosman, or my email is my last name, G-L-O-Z-M-A-N, at chisel.ai. Feel free to drop me a note at any time. I, I get back to people. All right. Well, Ron, uh, first of all, congratulations on the success you've had so far and the contribution you're making to the industry. And uh, thanks so much for a robust and uh, exciting conversation. I really appreciate you taking time out for us. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Connected Insurance Podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share with your peers and colleagues. Explore the Connected Insurance family of resources for insurance agents and brokers by visiting agencyrevolution.com and clicking media. Subscribe and get updates delivered right to your inbox. New episodes every Wednesday.